start jump sequence terminates, Captain. Get the gravitational dampers online and open the blast shield. Aye, sir. Bring us in closer. Aye, aye, sir. Moving us in on sublight drive. Extreme magnification. Aye, sir. The center of the galaxy. And there's our black hole. The experience of a lifetime, Captain. Let me put this on audio. You should be able to hear the magnetic resonance from This is it, ladies and gentlemen. The edge of time and space where the impossible can happen. Welcome to the event horizon. Good morning, or afternoon, or evening, whatever is relevant for the part of the world you are in. Indeed, welcome to the event horizon where the impossible happens. Join us each week at this time as we delve into the worlds of science fiction, fantasy, and science fact in all their forms. I'm your host, Gene Turnbow. And I'm your other host, Susan Fox. And with us is um, Frank Zanka. And the- Hi. How Hi. You doing? <laughs> welcome to the show. We got off to a little bit of a rocky start there with our technical problems. Thank you, Microsoft Windows. You're suddenly forgetting what a microphone is. It's it's just wonderful. <laughs> so you are here to talk about uh, Lords Lord of L.A. Yep, yep, uh, Lords of L.A. and uh, Destiny Aurora. Two things. Oh, two things. Yeah. Mm. So, uh, so you sexy have, vampires and noir LA. Yeah, well for it. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's it's a good mix, you know, film noir and and uh, and uh, the vampire movies of of years gone by. Well, it's uh, nobody's ever done kind of what I'm doing at this point. It's been received pretty well. Uh, so I was, uh, and I still am pitching it. I'm, I'm a, uh, I'm a producer in Hollywood as well. Uh, and I've been pitching this around, um, as a television show. And I, uh, decided to, uh, turn it into a comic, uh, the pilot. Uh-huh. This is not the first time someone's said that to us. Of course not. Cause a lot of times people don't want to read scripts. So if you bring a comic book into a pitch room it's a lot easier because it's visual well it's so, a portable storyboard exactly basically the storyboard in hollywood has become very very uh lazy nobody wants so, to read um so the more visuals you can put in front of them, the better and it's always fun for you know as a creator uh to see something brought to life uh you know whether it's on a uh uh, some kind of a visual medium so whether it's live action or you know animation or a comic book uh then it's it's uh it's just a high anyway and if other people uh, you know like it as well then so much the better so uh you know vampires have a have a huge fan base as it is uh so i decided to take it like one step further um and kind of go what if you know vampires are running the mob in uh, you know, in the in the fifties, um, you know, a la Cohen, and uh, you know, what if they then moved into you know Vegas and that kind of thing? 
So then, uh, so I have basically two clans that have been around since the dawn of time uh, that have been, you know, fighting it out and they kind of follow them, follow each other around and like to beat the crap out of one another. So, uh, and then I said, well, what if those two clans were actually headed by Cain and Abel? And they, you know, they're, until they make up, you know, they're doomed to walk the earth forever. So I turned the Cain and Abel names into, um, into Italian names. So I have Canella and Abellino. Uh, and they're, uh, you know, they're basically the ones running, uh, running things. And of course they have, you know, human problems, you know, other, other mob uh, bosses, etc. And then I threw into the mix, what if they were after the same woman? So uh, enter Lena Morgan, who's half Asian. Uh, and of course, it's the 50s. So it's right after World War II. Um, and, you know, she's a lounge singer in one of their uh, many hangouts. So uh, she's she's turned uh, after having a, uh, a baby and uh she doesn't know by who, but of course she doesn't know how to control herself. So she leaves the child behind uh, and goes to plot her revenge, which takes 60 years to do so. So the storyline goes back and forth between time. Uh, it goes from the 50s to the 2000s and back and forth and, and showing her you know, growth and semi-deterioration uh, into you know, a, a ruthless person, as ruthless as they are uh to to battle them so uh so yes yeah, so that's that's basically what lords of la is it's uh it's got a little bit of godfather to it and uh and, you know a little bit of glitz and glamour from you know golden age of hollywood like uh, malin monroe appears in the issue uh and of course we'll have buddy holly and things to that effect uh and then uh you know that's uh, then we of course we have the romance side as mm-hmm. well um you know, we have this triangle going on. Uh, so there's also uh, she ends up marrying a human uh, guy before she's turned. And that's where the baby comes from. So, so yes, yeah, so that's the storyline. Wow. What they, you just told us the whole pitch. Well, that's <laughs> yeah. where it starts. After that's that, start. it probably yeah, gets a lot a more interesting. <laughs> Should there's we... a lot of twists and turns that go around. And so it's a big mystery about which one turned her, you know, and that kind of thing as well. Uh-huh. So. Should should we play the uh, should we play the trailer? Sure. Okay. Let's let's. Hear, it's from the uh, it's from okay, the Carter. Lords of L.A. graphic novel, Vampire the Mob and the 1950s, and uh, it's a 48 page graphic novel. And you've already got um, you've already made your pledge goal. I have with yeah. 24 days to go. So that's. Excellent. We made we made our pledge uh, the pledge goal. So yeah. So now I'm looking to give some people some free stuff by unlocking stretch goals. So here is the Lords of L.A. graphic novel Kickstarter trailer, and it's really well produced. Los Angeles, 1952. The golden age of Hollywood, pioneered by legendary celebrities like Marilyn Monroe and James Dean. Though film stars may hold the spotlight with their glitz and glamour, organized crime lurks in the shadows with something even more sinister lording over it all. 
Two vampire clans consumed by violence harbor centuries of hatred that rivals only their ruthlessness. When alluring lounge singer Lena Morgan arrives to chase oh, her train, act, you, you she becomes the it, object of their desire. As a result, she is turned, tearing her life apart. Having no recollection no, of which vampire drained and transformed her, Lena has spent the last 60 years preparing her plot for revenge on them all. Get ready to slip to the edge of your seat with this R-rated story of passion, romance, and gore-filled vengeance that spans decades. From acclaimed screenwriter and novelist, Frank Zanka, comes the deliciously dark tale of the Lords of L.A. Get your digital or autographed copy now, exclusively on Kickstarter. So that's pretty pretty thrilling stuff. I mean, uh, it, it seems to me that it, uh, the mix between film noir and, and uh, Dracula stories is a good fit, and it sure seems like it from that trailer. Yeah, it's, it's exciting stuff. Uh, and again, it's never really been done in this particular way before. So I'm excited to develop the characters and um, and see where the story takes me. So it's a little bit more like True Blood, so it is, does go into that, that R rating. So it's... Uh, and people have... Uh, Destiny Aurora. Yeah, so Destiny Aurora is my sci-fi, which, you know kind of falls into this radio station uh into my sci-fi uh uh franchise that's uh kind of a mix between star trek and guardians of the galaxy that sounds uh, like fun all over <laughs> yeah so i have uh a, a four novel series i have a graphic novel that uh, is a tale of the first book and then I also have an RPG and a board game. Wow, that's you've got got this stuff already pretty well developed. So far, you've yep. got the same same content in three different forms. <laughs> yeah, that's very efficient. So does it does it take this kind of uh, uh, intellectual property development to get the attention of Hollywood these days? Do you have to have all this stuff lined up first before you even pitch? Uh, well, it's got it's even a bigger problem than that, because um, I haven't even been able to pitch. Uh, I pitched Destroyer once. I pitched it to Len Wiseman, um, and Len Wiseman is the guy who did Underworld, uh, mm -hmm. Lucifer. Uh, he did the remake of Total Recall, etc. So uh, at that point, I only had a few things out, uh, not to the extent I have now. And he said, "We love it." The problem is you, and uh, he didn't—he didn't mean that in you know a mean way. What he meant was, I'm not famous, right? So, oh, I thought uh, he had to have someone with like a bigger cup size come and uh, pitch it for <laughs> you or something, you know? So yes, yeah, so that's the way Hollywood is—is is that if you're not famous or you don't have uh, 10 million followers, you do not exist. Oh, so that's my, depressing. So for my uh, career, I basically am working on other people's projects, not my own. And yeah, but they're ones that they've seen, for gosh sakes. 
So, uh, yeah, in fact, I just worked on uh, a Showtime show called uh, I Love That For You and uh, with Vanessa Bear and Molly Shannon, etc. And I met with the uh, – and this was a you know a $30 million show for eight episodes. And uh, I met with the showrunner, uh, and she was very nice. And she said – basically, she said that the only reason this thing got paid was because, you know, Vanessa Bayer brought it in. And, you know, we had the SNL uh, writers, and mm-hmm. we had Molly Shannon, mm-hmm. and it was a given. So unless you have attachments of – Stars, you will not get anything made. That's wow. And it so it used to amount of stuff that I have right now, I still can't get in any rooms. Wow. And I remember from uh, I've been in the industry for a few decades myself, and I remember you know uh, forty years ago, if you had a script. And you could uh, you could get an agent. You could get it read. No. Yeah, that's anymore. the other thing is you can't get an agent. That's a tricky. So, bit. yeah. So agents aren't like like for if you're an actor, you can get an agent and a manager pretty easily. But for writers, no, uh, you have to have a referral. Wow. So, or else to hang up on you. Wow, that's. Yeah, it's it's really changed a that lot. That is since really last time depressing. That's really <laughs> depressing. Look, welcome to depressing hour on Sci-Fi Radio. <laughs> well, and it's it's no wonder that independent producers, you know, and independent uh, uh, owners of intellectual property have to resort to making their own stuff, because right, the, right. That's basically, what I tell people, you know, because I, I look, there's obviously a lot of influx of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know where you guys are in the world, but uh, Los Angeles. Oh, so you're here too. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so when you know when I, I see a new person, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I have the best thing in the world, and I'm going to sell it immediately, and blah blah blah, and I'm going to be the youngest showrunner in the world." And you know, I'm like, "Yeah, huh? I'll, I'll see you in 20 years." <gasps> oh, sweet summer, <laughs> you sweet summer child. <laughs> yeah, this but, is you know, the same way when I came. Uh-huh. You know, so that's just the uh, you know, it's the it's a dream, you know. Uh, but you know, you wonder how you, you watch a movie and you're like, how the hell did this even thing even get made? And that's how it got made is that you, they had somebody attached and somebody said, yeah, here's some money. Two words, Sharknado five. <laughs> well, somebody was attached to it, you know? <laughs> and that, well, that's, uh, that's asylum right there. Uh, those guys are, those guys are crazy. <laughs> I did an asylum film with uh, with John Lovitz, mm-hmm. and uh, they had one day where they had the uh, the call sheet had sixteen pages to shoot on it. <laughs> Ooh. So yeah, so those guys those guys like the the shoot quick. Yeah, they yeah they go fast, <laughs> but but the uh, I mean that underscores the problem right there. I mean. Uh, it, the quality of the material doesn't matter as much as the people no, attached to it. That's, uh, oh my god! The reason things get made is because of uh, you know who's attached to it. So well, that, uh, so that, yeah, and then um, uh, I just uh, saw the Christina Ricci movie Monstrous the other day, uh-huh. and, and uh, that was made for like a, just over a little over a million dollars. Holy cow! So, you know she was attached, so they got some money and they made it. And it's actually. Uh, 
getting some uh, some wheels to the ground. So excited Good. for them. That's an incredible uh, that that film can't help but make money at that price point. Well, you'd be surprised because um, you know it's it's underwritten by uh, uh, Screen Media, uh, and they're distributing it. And I I just had a film distributed by Screen Media uh, with Eric Roberts that was a supernatural western, and we barely saw any money out of it, even though it was on Fox, it was on BBC, it's on Prime, it's it's on Tubi, it's everywhere, and we've barely seen a dime. So. Uh, you know, it's the Hollywood accounting where, you know, oh, yeah, we spent $10 million in uh, marketing fees. So you might see something 10 years from now, you know, but that's it. Yeah. I, I had, when I was living in uh, Silmar, the guys below uh, that lived, had the uh, condo b- below me were um, studio accountants. And they they explained to me how it all worked, and the the studio owns the distributor, and the distributor bills the studio, and the you know, and the distributor has expenses, and they make all that stuff go away, and and on paper nobody's made any money, but the film makes you know, that's right, tens of millions of dollars, and and it doesn't make a profit, even though the production costs were. You know, two, a two, uh, yeah. two and a half million dollars in the promotion, you know, and it all just evaporates. Yeah, well, that's the whole reason that uh, Scarlett Johansson took Disney to uh, to, to court there was because they were hiding that. the money in Disney Plus. Yeah, they were playing. Yeah, oh. they were playing hide the ball with 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 that. And. Uh, yep. And she she actually she actually pinned them to the mat on that. They had to settle. Yeah, she won. I, I, yeah. yeah, they didn't want that to go any further anyway, and nor did they want to really piss her off. So, right, yeah, because <laughs> she's <laughs> she's got them by the purse strings, <laughs> and she knew it. Yeah, well, she has the backing of all the the rest of the actors. So, well, yeah, yeah. well, and so. most most of the fans as well, I think. Yeah. Every, well, a lot of the fans were behind uh, what's her face from uh, the uh, the Mandalorian too, and that didn't go anywhere. Uh, well, no, I wouldn't say so. I wouldn't say that. I uh, mean, they liked her until she opened her mouth. <laughs> you know, the character was pretty great. The, she's a real. She's a nice person in real life too. Well, I'm I'm sure she is, but she started saying stuff online that a lot of people didn't like, and that's enough to turn them off. And, uh, yeah, but the, but the same thing happened with uh, the other guy who actually played the Mandalorian uh, calls people Nazis, and you know he didn't get a slap on the wrist or anything. So it was kind when, of a double. One, he's a guy. Two, it's his show. <laughs> they weren't, and and the show is too popular. They could they could get rid of her. They can't get rid of him. Not today. Uh, yeah, you, got a, you got a point on there. <laughs> so so yeah, but uh, it's a weird world we live in as far as. Entertainment's concerned, anyway, but, um, but yes, yeah, so that's the the nuts and bolts of why I haven't been able to get uh, uh, this thing made yet. Uh, so yeah, so I'm continually looking for other avenues and getting trying to get my numbers up so that uh, I can get uh, the attention. And, well, it, we're and doing it takes, our part here. And it takes uh, transforming it into you know all that other media into uh, so that you can get the attention. You know, so yeah, you can say, "Look, I've got the, 
here I've got the proven sales. I've gotten the I've got the tens of thousands of fans, or you know, hundreds of thousands, or whatever it takes. They better get about a million, you know, clicks on that, or they're not going to look. Huh. Yeah. Right. Well, that's what Len Wiseman told me. He's only just get my numbers up. But that's why you know video games get you know movies made about them is because they have huge fan bases to start with. That's true. No plot, but a fan base. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. (laughs) And then they'll change it however they want, and they'll just slap the name on it, and Mm -hmm. hopefully those people come out. Like, I I, I didn't watch uh, Uncharted. I've never played Uncharted, but um, I'm sure the movie was nothing like the video game, but... Uh, It was was actually closer than... it, It could have wandered off the ranch a lot farther than it did. Uh... I think people disagreed with the casting because Nathan right, Fi- he was younger. Yeah, yeah because Nathan Fillion <laughs> was basically the model for the game character. Oh, really? Yeah, and they could have gotten Nathan Fillion. And in fact, Nathan Fillion did a uh, uh an uncharted short film about 4 years ago and it was wildly popular. And they could have gone with him, but they didn't. They went with um Well, he had a job. Yeah, well, he had a job at the time. He was on um, the rookie. The yeah, rookie. the rookie, and uh, and but Tom Holland was fresh yeah. off of Spider Man, one of the biggest grossing franchises of all time. So they thought, oh, dollar signs, let's stick him in there. Doesn't matter that he's a scrawny kid, <laughs> you know. Instead of being six foot one and and uh, rugged and full of muscle. <laughs> yeah, in fact, I walked into the movie theater. Uh, when I did see uh, Uncharted and there was, you know, Spider-Man was playing at the same time, and literally he was practically in every single theater in the, <laughs> the multiplex, in one degree or another. <laughs> it's the Hollandplex. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that that guy's worth more money than probably anybody else in Hollywood right now. Him and his girlfriend both. They could probably yeah. buy Between the two together. of them, yeah, they could probably buy Sony. They're so stinking cute together, too. They are. They're just, they're just, they have that Even though she going. towers over him, it's crazy. So like, uh It's like uh, Nicole Kidman and uh, Cruz. So he likes mountain climbing. <laughs> I see nothing wrong with that. <laughs> so uh, now that you've got uh, now that you've gotten your uh, Kickstarter goal, your first you know your first one reached. What's what's next for the goals on the Kickstarter? Ooh, what stretch goals have we got? Yeah, stretch goals. Uh, well, I just hooked up with some other. Um independent publishers who have given me their like issue one so i'm going to be giving those away digitally as well so people will get additional comics as well and uh and then we're going to be doing uh promo uh collector cards and i'm going to be doing like each one of the um the clans has its own logo Uh uh-huh and uh, we're going to be doing uh keychains for those as well uh, because Fansets is doing by pins. Uh, and if you're familiar with Fansets at all, they're the ones that have uh, all the rights for Star Trek and mm. for uh, Marvel. Uh-huh. So they do all of the the little figure and logo uh, pins for all them. So they uh, 
Uh, they hooked up with me, and we're doing uh, the logo pins for that as well. Okay. Um, so I'm going to transform those also into keychains. So I'm going to do those as, as stretch goals. I was going to we'll, ask about apparel, but you know the way these women keep tearing their tops off, I know they can't even keep a t-shirt on. <laughs> well, I do have a I do have a t-shirt as well. Oh, okay. Uh, stretch goal, but I have because they're too expensive to do as a stretch goal. Yeah, well, uh, you know, stretch goalers are fine, but you know, you, you have to make sure they're not tear goals or <laughs> puncture goals. Well, I don't know. It's it, we're talking vampires here, man. Who just <laughs> splash you know blood colored you know ink all over the front and <laughs> and there you, there you go, a splash goal. <laughs> That'll <Wow>. work. <laughs> So yeah, so that's uh, that's what I'm going to be doing with stretch goals. So people, uh, well, since we're so, uh, since we're so close to when we just started, uh, I have a feeling we're going to be unlocking quite a quite a few stretch goals uh, before the end of this. Oh gosh, so people will people will be getting uh, a lot of free stuff. Good. I guess, uh, you hit your you hit your uh, funding goal in three days. Uh, and you've still got 24 days to go on go on this thing. I think you yep. might hit a few stretch goals in between. Yeah, now you and better then. be ready because this is gonna this is like lighten up. You yeah, gotta turn well, that the, off. Uh, the good thing is, you know, because my last one was a female uh, spy uh, genre uh, graphic novel called Cats. Uh, not like can we, you know. Excuse can, me. Can we can hold we, up? Hold for. Stick yeah. a stick a um, bookmark in this for a second because he's got to turn off that. Ba-da-da-doom. Yeah, was that? I'm not sure where that's coming from. Yeah, the the bells. Yeah, that's uh. Is that us? I don't think so. Are you on a computer right now, Frank? Uh, I'm on my phone. That's not him then. No, I my. Not unless that's his text tone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe, maybe it was in the background. I don't know. Um, let me check my sound settings. I'm going to pause recording for a moment while I. So, who is, who are the artists and colorists and titleists, <laughs> letterers on on your uh, yeah. graphic novel? Tell us about your penciler. Okay, well, my penciler he uh, he hasn't had actually had a whole lot of experience in comics prior prior to this. I was referred to him. Uh, his name is Alex from Mia, and uh, he's. Um, I saw his uh, style. Uh, it's my because Joe Sanchez did my original Desnura books, but uh, he started taking longer and longer to do the pencils, and he's really good too. Uh, and I'm like Joe, what what's taking so long? Well, he's like, well, I'm working on four books at the same time. I'm like, what? I'm like, well, you just let me know when you're done <laughs> because I, I can't be second fiddle to four guys uh, to, you know that just hurts everything because now each one of those books is now waiting long periods of time to get pages uh-huh. so uh, that's so I greedy said, right, Alex I said to uh, Joe I said love, I love you Joe but I, I have I have to get yeah you know, I, I have more of a deadline than to get this, this done and he understood and uh, so I was referred to Alex and I really liked Alex's style a lot, and uh, he's able to do uh, some realistic-looking uh, stuff and the use of a lot of shadows, which I needed uh, to create, you know, the environment. So 
anyway, it, uh, he's been getting me pages pretty quickly. Um, and then uh, from there, I needed an inker because Joe was doing his own inking because he was doing it purely on the computer. Uh, and Alex does stuff old school. So he right, does right. that pen and paper stuff, which you really don't see anymore. Uh-huh. So I needed an inker now, so I got referred to Maria Keene. And inking for a project like this is all important because it's you know oh yeah and the she shadows is, she yeah. is great it's, it's um, all it's all about that contrast yeah she was back she jumped to the uh, the scene when uh, when Lena goes and, and sees her um, uh, her husband's grave and there was a lot of obviously a lot of uh, shadow in that with the graveyard. And she jumped right to that. She's like, "I'm going to have a lot of fun with this one." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I she's, it's it's got you know, this is the kind of thing Gil Kane would do. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we, uh, I actually, I just went to see her because she's in London, and this guy, I just got back from London last week. Um, so yeah, so she's doing an amazing job. She does work for IDW, so she uh-huh. she's worked on Buffy. Uh, and she's worked on Transformers, and she's most recently working on GI Joe. So, of all my uh, of all my art team, uh, she's like pretty much the most famous one. That's pretty. Uh, cool. And then uh, I had Walter Perea was doing my coloring for quite a while, and I don't understand artists, but sometimes I just drop off the face of the earth. Yep. And I'm like, Walt, are you there? Are you there? So he like, did like the first few pages, and then he just disappeared. Uh, and uh, still to this day, I have not heard from him. Wow. And, and he did like almost all the Aurora stuff. And Aurora is 150 pages. Uh-huh. So he, uh, <laughs> we had a long relationship, and he just dropped off. I don't know what happened. So uh, and you're going to laugh at the name of my colorist now. His name is James Brown. So, oh. <laughs> does he okay. feel good? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, he's doing coloring work right now. All funny aside, how how do you how is working with James Brown uh, <laughs> as a colorist? You know, is he are are, are you like? Uh, well, the color you, decisions are are going to be different from the different. Uh, uh, decades, you know, I, I like the idea of having the, uh, was it the like the background, the edges, you know, of the 50s in kind of a tan sepia tone yeah, thing, and, and the modern, the, the more modern yeah. ones, a 21st Art. century in blue. That's right. That's so exactly you don't get confused, and you don't, you know, don't don't know when you are. So yeah, so that's, uh, and of course, the, the, the color uh, scheme is uh, what I did with the vampires is anytime that it's a vampire, uh, they're wearing something red. Mm-hmm. There's something red on them, whether it's their tie or their uh, uh, handkerchief square uh, or their bracelets or whatever. They have something red. Okay. Um, and uh, that's how you can always tell. And I get kept away from humans wearing red at all. So mm-hmm. that's one of the ways that you can you can tell. Uh, and then when I did Lena, I put her in all red, even though she wasn't a vampire at the time. Um, but anyway, so you you you'll definitely see a lot more grays and blues and things to that effect in uh, the fifties. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, I have Marilyn Monroe in her 
you know her famous pink so uh so yeah so the but the color schemes are are different between the two it's definitely uh a little bit more i wouldn't say sepia but a lot is definitely the backgrounds are a lot more brown mm-hmm. uh, things to that effect than they are in the uh in the 2000s so it's uh but it good it's, it's definitely got a lot of visuals to it um and then of course we got into the fight scenes as well um so uh, I'm just seeing the pages right now of uh, the my vampire versus vampire fight scenes, which came out I think pretty good. So, so who are your influences uh, when you were putting this stuff together? Did you have any particular influences or artists or filmmakers uh, in the back of your head while you were working these uh, working this stuff out? On this particular project, what I was most influenced by. Uh, is two things. Uh, it was um, Vampire the Masquerade from the 90s. Ah, yes. Oh, what is ah, yes. Kel Surprise? <laughs> yeah. I, I played so a little that, of that. Even though that it was, was only fun. 10 episodes, uh, I, I think it only lasted one season or half a season, and that was the extent of that. And, uh, in fact, the, the main character, uh, I think the actor died. Very young. Well, yeah, but it was also an enormously uh, um, successful uh, live-action role-play game. I went to yeah, Dragon it's Con and say it's a role-playing game, yeah. and they just, in fact, uh, Renegade Studios is now even augmenting that, uh, and they just did a card game called Rivals. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Was so, it the White so Wolf Studios? Or White, White Wolf was the original? Yeah, White Wolf. Yeah, they, White Wolf was the original. They were doing books, too, at the time. Right, right. Novels. I had a friend who was writing some of those books. So, yeah, I was yeah. kind of Yeah, interested. I think I have a couple of them. But, uh, but yeah, that was so that was back in the 90s. And I'm like, you know what? Nobody's really done anything like this again. And what if I said, what if, that's why I said, what if I even drop it into the past? And uh, But that was one of my, uh, I love that show. I yeah. had a lot of uh, a lot of character, uh, and you know I, I like the, diff- the different looks of the characters and how the clans were all you know set, a, set mm-hmm. apart from one another and and all that stuff. So that, I think that was the majority. And then of course uh, Lestat, you know, interview with a vampire mm-hmm. and things. Oh yeah, that. yeah, that's yeah. Lestat and, and Anne Rice is sort of left yeah, an indelible Rice, mark on the whole vampire, you know, the whole uh, uh, genre. Of, uh, yeah, but then you go with Buffy, and it's sort of lighthearted and just as dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, there's uh, well, Buffy. You know, he, uh, it's funny because the movie itself, I mean, it was pretty bad. <laughs> he was one of those guys that said, "Oh, I got this idea. Let me see if I can raise some more money." And I think he did that purely on his own. We, yeah, totally, totally. And then um, I think Rudger Hauer was the most famous person in that thing. And uh, Pee Wee Herman, you know, he, got, he somehow got it picked up for for television, and you yeah, know, but that went an entirely that was an entirely different direction with, with oh, the yeah. television show. Yep, and you know he's famous from that point on. He had then he did Serenity and Angel and who knows what else. Well, you know, Just vampires the, and then space opera. That sounds yep. you know uh, that's a career <laughs> yeah, track. Following, <laughs> following those footsteps. But uh, but yeah, so that's uh, and you're right. There was a lot of Buffy stuff where it became very dark, mm-hmm. uh, especially where you know Angel was concerned and stuff like that. But um, 
but yes, but uh, I definitely stayed more on the, the stat side and the Anne Rice side. Uh, yeah. I wanted to go back to, you know, vampires don't have reflections, and you know they have to sleep in coffins. They don't sparkle, and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's sparkly, the basics. Sparkly Batman's. Yeah. Sparkly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I, I was sparkly Batman's. I was thinking of uh, Robert uh, pa- Pattinson. Robert Pattinson, who has played both sides of that coin. Well, he's a sparkly, sparkly vampire, vampire and, and then he turned into a bat. <laughs> but um, ladies and gentlemen, we have been speaking with Frank Zanka, creator of Lords of L.A. Vampires, the Mob, and the Fifties in beautiful Los Angeles, and Destiny Aurora. Frank, please thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you, guys. I appreciate your time. You have been listening to episode 241 of Sci-Fi.Radio's weekly production of The Event Horizon for Saturday, May 21st, 2022. Our guest this evening has been producer and screenwriter Frank Zanka, creator of Lords of L.A., a new Vampires Meets Film Noir graphic novel whose Kickstarter has already reached its funding goal with 24 days to go. This episode will air again at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern tomorrow afternoon, and two more times on the following Thursday and Saturday mornings at 4 a.m. Pacific, 7 a.m. Eastern. Once all of the airtimes have passed, you will find this episode as a podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Pandora, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and on our own website at sci-fi.radio. Sci-Fi.Radio is listener-supported Sci-Fi Geek Culture Radio, and the vast majority of our funding comes from listeners just like you. If you enjoyed programming like what you just heard, we ask you to please visit patreon.com slash sci-fi radio and pledge five or ten dollars a month to help keep the station on the air. That's patreon.com slash sci-fi radio. The Event Horizon title sequence was written and produced by Gene Turnbow. The science officer was played by science fiction illustrator Mark Schurmeister. The engineer was Christian B. McGuire. The navigator was Christine Cherry. And the captain was voiced by science fiction grandmaster Larry Niven. This program is copyright 2022 by Krypton Media Group Incorporated. The Event Horizon on Sci-Fi.Radio. It's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi.